on this episode of Blue Fifth Quarter of the Way. Can you believe it? Let's take a few minutes and check in on some of the names the Packers added this offseason. Then, what do the Packers really need to do to fix the rift, if it exists, between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, excited for episode number 110 into that sort of, I don't know. This is off to a weird start, isn't it? Let's talk about some football stuff. As you probably heard up top, if you weren't paying attention, I'll repeat it here. We're going to take some time in this episode to look at the new names the Packers added this offseason, both in the draft and through free agency. But before we dive into that, it's time for the return of our semi-recurring character, Captain Two Thoughts. There are some interesting things going on in the NFL this week, and there are things that need to be addressed by someone with a, I guess, sort of heroic mindset. So let's take a second and set the scene. I think we can do this. I think we can get some theme music. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a more well-known superhero who uses theme music that kind of sounds like this. But we're just going to kind of roll with it for a little while. I don't think anybody's going to mind, right? I don't think so. You don't mind, do you? Is that too far down? Is that too quiet? Can you hear the theme music? There we go. Let's go with that. All right. Captain Two Thoughts this week. Wouldn't you know it? Fighting our old nemesis, Colin Coward. He speaks out on Aaron Rodgers this week after Rodgers says that the Packers offense was terrible on Sundays, which in some respects it was. It was terrible in some ways on Sunday. But Colin Coward, the headline on FoxSports.com, I won't subject you to the audio, says... Aaron Rodgers, it's time to suppress his ego and take blame for the Packers' shortcomings. Now, riding to the rescue is Captain Two Thoughts here, and he would like to point out that it is possible for Aaron Rodgers to have a point about the Packers' offense being terrible, and also for Aaron Rodgers to be part of the reason the offense isn't doing so well. Now, you will remember, careful observers will note, that the Packers' offense on Sunday was not very good. 22 points is fine. It should have been a lot more. Rodgers said as much after the game. But careful observers will also note that Rodgers himself was not particularly sharp, missing some throws he probably should have made, and generally not playing up to his standards. He's a little bit hurt still, sure, but the things that he was doing not so well were probably not the result of that injury. Now I, excuse me, Captain Two Thoughts would like to point out that those things are not mutually exclusive. The Packers can be bad on offense independent of Aaron Rodgers being bad on offense. And Aaron Rodgers can be bad independent of the Packers' offense being bad. Both of those things can be true at the same time. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Captain Two Thoughts. Please go away now. I'm just tired of the music, I think, mostly. Is the music cheesy? Is that bad? Oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we'll see if there's different theme music. Maybe we'll go with a different, different uh, superhero theme the next time Captain Two Thoughts returns. Let's dive into the main topic here. Packers had a bit of an interesting offseason, and uh, it was it was a departure from the end of the Ted Thompson era, and actually was in fact the literal end of the Ted Thompson era. Though he maintains what I would describe as a ceremonial post within the Packers front office. 
the Packers actually did some interesting things in free agency this offseason and right into the actual season, too, adding Mercedes Lewis. Let's not get too far ahead here. I thought it would be a good time to take a look back at the things the Packers did in free agency, the names that they added, both through free agency and through the draft, and kind of see where things are going so far. We're going to take a look at each of the players and try to describe their 2018 season in conclusion in one word. Sound good? Good. Roughly in order these free agents were acquired, we'll start there. Leads us to begin with Jimmy Graham. Now, Jimmy Graham's a great example, I think, of how important it is to manage expectations. I've seen a lot recently around the Packers' internet concerning the need for Graham to step up or earn his contract or something like that, and I think there are parts of that that could be true. Graham, at times, does seem to disappear a little bit from the Packers' passing attack, though that's not entirely his fault. But consider this. Graham is on pace to break the Packers' record for receptions by a tight end. If he maintains his current pace, he's going to end up with 64 catches, a record, for 679 yards and four touchdowns. That's not too bad. Plenty good for a tight end. And people do need to remember that the Packers do consider Jimmy Graham a tight end, and you should too. I know there's sort of the one-to-one replacement thing with with Jordy Nelson, but that's not really reality. They may have used some of the cap space that Jordy Nelson's release freed up to sign Jimmy Graham, but then you also have to bring Muhammad Wilkerson into that that consideration as well, and then it starts to break down from there. Would you like Jimmy Graham to be a little bit better than 64 catches, 679 yards, four touchdowns? Yeah, sure, probably, but that's a pretty solid season, and the Packers, given what they've seen for turnover at tight end, well, pretty much since Jermichael Finley went away, would probably take that. I think I think you would accept that. But a lot of people aren't happy with Graham simply because he's not Jordy Nelson. And maybe maybe there is something to that in part, just the, I guess, emotional connection there. But it's, that's also not really the personnel situation either. There was never a one-to-one comparison there. And for that matter, Geronimo Allison is doing just fine in Jordy Nelson's absence too. So Jimmy Graham's 2018 season so far in one word, understated. Understated. Could be better, but for right now, doing pretty well, but in a sort of understated sort of way. Moving along, Muhammad Wilkerson. Wilkerson's biggest impact so far this season really wasn't the sort of thing that tends to show up in the stat sheet. Uh, 3-4 defensive lineman's job isn't, I mean, even though that Mike Penton doesn't really run a strict 3-4 scheme, there are a lot of 3-4 elements there. A 3-4 defensive lineman's job isn't so much to make plays on his own. It's to free up other people to do their job. And Wilkerson was doing a pretty solid job at that before Jermaine Whitehead took out his leg and ended his season. It's kind of a pity because I would have liked to see what Wilkerson sort of grew into, see if he could have done a little bit more pass rush-wise. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to see that. 2018 season summary in a word for Wilkerson, abbreviated. Abbreviated. Tremont Williams, though, looks like he's going to be around for the long haul this year. I think he's been everything the Packers could have asked for. It's not a shutdown corner, but the Packers didn't need him to be that. That's not what they hired him for. He's not going to erase the best receiver on the other team, but that's not his job. That was never his job. That wasn't even his job when he was here with the Packers the first time. But what he has done is show up, avoid screwing up, and take care of pretty much just what needs to be done. He's the sort of player who's kind of been in short supply in Green Bay the past few seasons. And look how he handled punt return duties this past week. He didn't do anything spectacular, but he also didn't screw up. And he was filling in for a very important person on the Packers roster. You know, that shouldn't be noteworthy in and of itself, but it's the sort of thing that has derailed 
parts of games in the past, and it was interesting to not see that happen this week. It's not solid, it's not, or it's not spectacular, but it is solid, and he's been doing it very consistently. That's why Tremont Williams' word for this season is consistent. Byron Bell. This is still a bit of a puzzle to me. I think we're still figuring out what Byron Bell is and can be. We're learning what he can't be as well, and one of those things that he can't be is an offensive tackle. You can see the thinking that goes into Byron Bell coming to Green Bay. Depth at tackle, depth at guard. On paper, it makes sense. He's a bit of an insurance policy for Cole Madison if he doesn't work out as a draft pick. Never hurts to have versatility, and we've seen what the Packers have needed in lieu of Cole Madison already this year. But as it turns out, Byron Bell can't really play tackle. That should have been fairly apparent when the Packers brought him in already. Guard's been a little bit better, but I don't think anybody really wants Bell out there long term. Maybe he does turn out to be better than Justin McCray. Sure, that's possible, but I think you'd rather just be able to forget about that position if you could. And uh, Byron Bell and Justin McCray, for that matter, don't really allow you to do that. So the 2018 season, in a word for Byron Bell is frightening because it would be frightening if the Packers had to rely on him for anything above right guard duties. The final free agent, unless I'm leaving out somebody terribly noteworthy, I don't think so. You could probably throw Antonio Morrison in here too, but we're talking about free agency, not about trades. So if you start expanding it out too far, you really get a long list of players here. So we're going to stick to free agency and the draft. Mercedes Lewis is the last of those free agents. And now I would describe him a bit as a bonus free agent. He came aboard at a time you thought that things were pretty much done as far as free agents coming to town. I mostly figured at the time that he'd be more or less the quote-unquote actual tight end for the Packers while Jimmy Graham worked as a giant slot receiver or boundary receiver type guy. But not really so much because Mercedes Lewis really hasn't played pretty much at all. You've got one target through four games, no catches, and he's only played 45 snaps, a little under 16% of their total. So in a word, I would describe his season as invisible. We just haven't seen Mercedes Lewis pretty much at all, and that's been a disappointing. Let's move on to the draft picks. 11 of these guys to get through, so we're going to keep their description a little bit shorter than we did with the, the veteran free agent signings. So, uh, let's start with the the big guy up top, Jair Alexander. Not really big, per se, from an actual physical perspective, but, you know, big in terms of what they did to get him. To me, Alexander always seems to be having a lot of fun in the secondary. He's had a lot of, added a lot of attitude to the secondary, and I think that's something that can't really be discounted because he always seems to be having fun. He has positive energy back there, and you can see the effect that has on the rest of the secondary. So far, this looks like a home run pick. So far, a long way to go, of course, but it's it's exciting to see what he's done so far. And I would describe his 2018 season with a made-up word, swaggerific. He's got a lot of swagger so far, and uh, it's just fun. You can see him giving the business to opposing players. Uh, Check him out if he does any post-game social media stuff for the Packers. That's pretty wild to see. Um, But he's, he's, he's a lot of fun, and he's got a lot of high energy. He's an interesting compliment to Josh Jackson, the Packers' next pick in the draft. I think he is, in many ways, the perfect complement to Alexander. And I'll give you the word first and describe a little bit why 
I use this word. I would describe his 2018 season so far with the word smooth, smooth. Everything about Josh Jackson seems smooth, but still like aggressive and athletic. Even if he doesn't have the high-end speed, he just looks like he belongs and can move around on an NFL football field. Think of it this way. If Jair Alexander is like a Jack Russell Terrier, all energy and bouncing around all the time. Josh Jackson, to me, looks like those tigers that you see at the zoo sometime. You know, sometimes they pace behind the glass, behind the cage. Sometimes they're just sort of laying there, but you know that they can see you. And you know that if they wanted to move fast or make a sudden aggressive move, they could. You can see the danger there. Sometimes that's what Josh Jackson looks like to me when he's patrolling on the field. So that's kind of cool to see. And uh, it's it's a departure in a lot of ways <laughs> from the, the recent secondary we've seen in Green Bay. Compare Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander, to that, for that matter, to Quentin Rollins. And, you know, Quentin Rollins didn't ask to be a second-round pick, but he was. And he got put in a lot of difficult situations, I think, as a result. But... Every time that he played and every time he was on the field, the body language he gave off and the way he played looked like he was thinking all the time, oh gosh, I hope the ball doesn't come to me. He looked like the kid that you stick out in right field because you're hoping that they can't hit it to right. He's just sitting out there the entire time you're on defense just praying they don't look his way or the ball doesn't come his way so he he won't find a way to screw it up. I think that's a big contrast to where the Packers are with Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, and that's been fun to see. Oren Burks, probably the draft pick the Packers need on the field more than you know any of the ones not named Alexander or Jackson right now. He's an athletic presence in the middle of the Packers' defense. He's a definite upgrade over Antonio Morrison and Corey Toomer. He's probably an upgrade over Jake Ryan. And he seems like a pretty good compliment to Blake Martinez, but he just hasn't been able to get on the field. That injury late in the preseason really kind of scuttled this early part of the season for him, and hopefully he's getting to a point where he can start to contribute at a higher level here soon. So we're going to say his 2018 season, in a word, is incomplete. Speaking of incomplete, we got to talk about Cole Madison here just for a second. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Mr. Madison because there's just not a lot to say. He's still away from the team. I hope we figure out why soon. But we don't know why. So in a word, his 2018 season has been mysterious. Mysterious, Mr. Madison. Speaking of seasons that haven't really come together how we hoped. Man, just nailing these segues. So good. They're not. Uh, Jamon Moore. You got to hope Jamon Moore figures it out soon or, or can do enough in practice to show that he belongs on the field. Because right now, you'd hardly have any qualms about cutting him. Because if he can't get on the field, what's the point of having him around? sure, you know, there's development and all that, but you, at first blush, if you told me tomorrow that Jamon Moore had been cut, it'd be like, oh, I understand it. Sure. Someone would pick him up instantly, but you know, it, right now he, he seems like he's not really capable of contributing. He did get a few more snaps on Sunday, but he hasn't put it together so far. So it's a fourth round pick to not contribute at all at all through the first four weeks of the season, I'd have to say his 2018 season is, in a word, disappointing. Not so much for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He is very fast, and we have to issue a bit of a correction here. Uh, Towards the end of 
Monday's episode of Blue 58. I talked about Aaron Rodgers and a couple throws he'd made towards the end of Sunday's game. And I said one of them, the one that could have led to a pick six, was one of the worst throws that you you could expect to see from Aaron Rodgers. But after going back and looking at it some more, it looks like Marquez Valdez-Scantling may actually have been the one at fault there. And perhaps that was obvious to some of you watching in real time. I just missed it. Um, but it's it's very apparent that he did not break on the ball like he was supposed to, and it ended up being a near near pick six. It probably should have been. It was very similar to that Kyle Fuller play in week one. But it wasn't, and uh, so no harm, no foul. foul. Maybe it'll affect his relationship with Aaron Rodgers going forward, although Aaron Rodgers seems to have bigger relationship issues right now, so maybe not. But you can say this for MVS. Whatever he does, he does very quickly. So that's what I'm using for his 2018 season in a word. Speedy. Very, very fast. That 38-yard catch he had on Sunday was something to see. That was very exciting. J.K. Scott seems to produce things that you need to see on a near-weekly basis. Imagine being excited about having a good punter for the first time in a long time. And then imagine getting an even better punter the next year. And then imagine that punter looking like a hayseed who just fell off the turnip wagon, who's six and a half feet tall, who looks like he's flexible enough that he can do whatever yoga pose you can imagine, and who looks physically like he starts every sentence with the word golly. That's Packers fans and J.K. Scott. Justin Vogel was pretty good last year. J.K. Scott has been everything that Vogel was and more. You've got to like what the Packers have in J.K. Scott. It's been fun. I mean, you don't want to see him out there at all. But when he does kick the ball, it's a blast, almost literally. So that's why I've got his 2018 season, in a word, as booming. A lot of booming punts from J.K. Scott's. J.K. Scott, excuse me, where did the S come from? Maybe it came from the next name that we've got to talk about, Equinemius St. Brown. You know, there's a lot to be said about the uniqueness of Equinemius St. Brown, His story certainly is interesting. He sure seems like a great athlete, and it seems like given the right circumstances, he could be a productive player. But we haven't achieved those ideal circumstances yet, and he's barely gotten on the field at all so far, and certainly not in any meaningful sense so far. So, in a word, we're not going to go with a word for his 2018 season so far. We're going to go with three letters, D, N, and P. Did not play. In the NBA, it's DNPCD. Did not play coach's decision. That's what we've gotten from Equinemius St. Brown so far. Now we've got some seventh-round picks to talk about. Um, There's not a lot to be said about any of these guys because other than Hunter Bradley, none of them have been on the active roster. James Looney, I do believe he is going to be on the active roster at some point this season. His athleticism is underrated. He's a very, very good athlete for his size. I think his problem remains that he doesn't really have a position. He's a little little bit too small to be a defensive end. He's certainly not big enough at all to be a nose tackle. So where do you put him? I'm not really sure. I think he'll figure it out. I hope he figures it out because he seems like he could be an interesting piece to move around if you could figure out a place to put him. But 
He hasn't done anything that's going to justify him getting a place on the roster anytime soon, so his 2018 season, in a word, is inconsequential. Hunter Bradley, meanwhile, has produced some consequences, which is something you never want from your long snapper, no matter how good they may be. And speaking of good long snappers, Brett Goode has to be watching Packers games very closely every week. I don't think he's actually watching closely because I don't think that's the kind of guy Brett Goode is. I think he's probably let it go by now and just moved on with his life, done whatever it is that Brett Goode does with his free time. I think it probably involves a lot of camouflage, but I don't think he's you know, actually tuning into Packers games every week to see how Hunter Bradley is doing. If he is, he's probably pulling his hair out a little bit because Bradley has not been super great. In fact, in a word, I would say he's been inconsistent. That is his 2018 season in one word, as a matter of fact, inconsistent. Last week, meaning the week prior to this Sunday that just passed, he had four certifiably bad snaps. I didn't see anything that was terribly bad on Sunday, but the fact that you have to evaluate your long snapper week to week instead of, you know, on on a longer year to year, couple season to couple season sort of way, like we did with Brett Goode, shows where the Packers are at the position right now. And that position has been pretty inconsistent. Finally, the last of the new faces that were acquired by the Packers in the draft of free agency. You know, that really rolls off the tongue. is Kendall Donerson. Um, he's as intriguing as the Packers have, a prospect as the Packers have in the organization right now. Other than Tony Brown, he was probably the practice squad player I was most interested in as the season went on because it's become pretty apparent that the Packers don't have much in the way of edge rushers here. And as an outside linebacker, Kendall Donerson is, at least in theory, a partial solution to that problem. I don't think he's a short-term solution here because he's playing at a much higher level of football than he's ever played at before, and athleticism just doesn't make as big of a difference at this level as it does on lower levels. But he is such a good athlete that you have to wonder, which makes his 2018 season, in a word, intriguing. Donerson is always going to be intriguing. He's got a little bit of the Jeff Janis syndrome going on around him. As long as he's on the roster or in the organization, technically he's not on the roster. He's only on the practice squad. As long as he's around, there's going to be a certain level of intrigue about him just because of the level of athlete that he is. And like I said, athleticism isn't what it is in the pros as it is at the college level, but some athletes are different. And a guy... His size, who can run the 40-yard dash in the low 4-4s, I think that qualifies as different. So how did the Packers do on balance here? How, did, how do we view these 16 new names they acquired? Well, I think they, they added two things here, athleticism and depth. Packers draft picks to a man are very, very athletic. And that's been the trend for the Packers over the last couple of years. They've, they've really focused on getting more athletic, not always faster, but generally more athletic, although they have trended towards speed more recently. But also the Packers have added depth. They've got more quality at positions where you require a lot of bodies than they've had in the past. I'm thinking specifically about corner here, maybe not so much outside linebacker or even the offensive line, but they've got more options at positions where you need a lot of bodies. And I think that means they're headed in the right direction with this group of players overall. 
We'll check in again later in the season and see if we still believe these same things about this group of players. While I've got you here, we've got to talk about the Rodgers-McCarthy rift, if it exists. And I'm not sure it does, because we see stuff like this every couple years or so. Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy get off to a bit of a slow start early in the season. Their offense maybe isn't humming quite like it should be. One of them, usually Rodgers, will start a bit of a spat, either in a press conference or even on the sidelines sometimes. Then everybody gets bent out of shape over it, usually just the media. Mike McCarthy declines to comment, takes the high road as much as that's possible. Then Aaron Rodgers will come out late in the season, maybe after the next game, and say something that implies that he saw what everybody wrote that week and heard what they said. And, you know, he'll say something about how their relationship is great and, you know, how everything is going well, especially if they win and, you know, do well on offense. But that's not the point I really want to make because I don't care so much about the rift as I do about people responding to criticism about Mike McCarthy. I do something that's probably a little bit unhealthy. I read the comments from time to time. I read all the comments on powersweep.com because they're uniformly great, even ones that don't necessarily agree with what I say, except for one guy. Uh, just recently, we had a comment on the, <laughs> in, the past, in the past week or so, there was somebody who commented on a post, just left a, a swear word and, you know, left. Didn't, didn't add any context, just dropped it in there and left. So we flagged him as spam and he won't be able to report or to uh, comment there anymore. Looked at his post history. He comments a lot on Packers.com articles. Take that however you like it. But that's that's all beside the point. I've been reading the comments on things that the Packers post, that PackersNews.com posts, other news outlets that report on the Packers. Been reading their comments on Facebook, wherever they post their articles, things like that. And everything that's McCarthy related says something along the lines of lines along the lines along the lines of time for a change McCarthy's got to go that may be true but you got to do better than that you've got to do better than yeah it's just time for a change what do you mean by that what does that even mean why is it time for a change who do you want to change to if you can't answer those questions and I know that's asking a lot of people who are commenting on things on Facebook and Twitter and who knows where else but still, it it shouldn't be that much. You can't just say time for a change. Is it? How do you know? Why? Uh, did Mike McCarthy throw a bunch of incomplete passes on Sunday? I don't think so. Were there open receivers that were just missed by the quarterback? Yes, there were. Did passes that were on target just get dropped? Yep. And Mike McCarthy can't catch those himself. I don't want to become the guy who just defends Mike McCarthy week in and week out because I think, think there are a lot of things about McCarthy that leave much to be desired. But you've got to do better in your criticism of him. You've got to do better than just it's time for a change. It may be true, but you've got to do a better job of explaining why, if that's the argument you want to have. That's all I've got for you for this episode. I'm excited to talk about the Detroit Lions this week. Interesting quasi-rivalry. We'll talk a little bit about whether it's a rivalry or not on Friday. You can find us, as you always do, at thepowersweep.com, on Facebook and on Twitter, and via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. Give us a review on iTunes if you would be so kind or wherever you find 
your podcast that is the best and easiest way to support what we do here. If you'd like to support us via other means, you can do that at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. One dollar a month helps us host this fine podcast. Also, check out our fine selection of t-shirts at teespring.com. Click the store link at thepowersweep.com to find your way there. We do love to hear from you. Any feedback you give us helps us make this entire operation better and helps all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, Smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I am John Meerdink. We will see you on our next episode of Blue 58.